Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. Okay, everyone, welcome back to episode 25 of Fireside 40K. And this is a really uh, special episode because we're going to be talking about the Birmingham team tournament. And in the last episode, we kind of, oh no, the episode before last, number 23, we talked about kind of our preparation for Birmingham team's tournament. It happened last weekend and uh, we were lucky enough to win the entire event beating Team England in the finals. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode, we're going to run through kind of a bit more detail on our preparation because we couldn't kind of give away all the secrets last time. (laughs) But now, now we can. Um, So we're going to talk about how we kind of did our prep give you some background information on teams events so that you're able to follow the rest of the episode and then run through the six rounds we played uh, and then kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, and uh, before I let Dave kind of go through uh, the, the prep stage, I'm going to talk about uh, the different lists we ran. Mm. So this event was a five-person team event, and there were uh, 320 players in attendance. Uh, so fairly large event. Yeah. Um, and so 64 teams, just for 64 teams. So it does actually, in the five rounds that everyone plays, it takes it uh, down to two undefeated teams who then play in the final round. Perfect. Um, in terms of this event, me and Dave, we were running our usual lists, so usual factions anyway. I was <laughs> running Eldar, Mixed Harlequins, and Craftworld Eldar with Swift Strikes and Ignore Cover. And Dave was uh, running his Astra Militarum. Uh, nice balanced list, and he did bring the Rogal Dawn. Mm-hmm. No Earthshakers this time, no Mortars as well. <laughs> Just lots and lots of infantry. Uh, Boris brought uh, his World Eaters, um, which was kind of your standard uh, kind of World Eaters list. And then Brian was our kind of secret weapon. He brought his Orcs. Mm -hmm. uh, um, And finally, we had Yokel. Yokel was playing um, Iron Hands, uh, kind of your standard Iron Hands list. So we had a nice, strong, balanced lineup of factions. Mm. But there was a lot of um, player representation in the list that we picked as well, right? So we had, uh, I think... Our team was one of the scariest in terms of we had people who only played factions and on those factions. So we had Brian with Orcs, you with Eldari, me with Guard, and uh, Yokel, uh, who plays Iron Hands a lot in team tournaments as well. Mm-hmm. So three, four players, uh, well, and uh, Boris <laughs> literally only plays World Eaters recently. So we all got to play factions that we knew like the, the back of our hand. Yeah, absolutely. That was a big part of our decision process. Mm. And you can hear more about that side of things on uh, on episode 23 if you guys missed that one. Uh, but Dave, maybe you could run us through a little bit about how team events actually work and what our preparation was for it. Yeah, so uh, I guess administratively in the tournament, uh, what will happen is um, there will be rows of five tables and your team plays on one side of that row and the opposing team plays on one side of that row and the captains play at both ends of that row as well. Uh, now, the team usually consists of five people, but you can have what's called a non-playing uh, coach uh, or just like a coach who can, uh, what we did, uh, go through your players and um, your players can point to a score estimate and then they can keep a running tally of what the score throughout the games is. So if you need to tell people to push or hold, um, uh, you can make that decision mid- mid-game, which is super important. So we had um, our teammate, Chris Radford, who wasn't even playing the event, 
come in on Sunday and help us out with that, which was awesome as well. And then we did it for ourselves on Saturday. But um, so what will happen is uh, you will get paired against another five players and the captains or whoever does your pairings uh, will um, go against your opponent to do the pairing. So you've got five factions, they've got five factions. You first begin off by putting down an attacker who is your... So you put down one faction and then they put down two... You put down a defender and they put down two to attack that. So you put down one they put down two to attack it and you get to pick one of those two and you do the same for them. You put two to attack their one defender. Now in fives, uh, what happens is that process gets repeated once more and then the pairings naturally fall out of the bottom of the decisions you make in the second iteration of doing that. So there are, there are quite a few um, things and nuances and I won't go too much into how to best prepare for all of those and the intricacies of that decision making. If that is something you're interested in, uh, there are people that do it much better than myself and Vic. Uh, there's a, a show called Into the Matrix hosted by the Polish um, uh, legend uh, Typhus, who um, uh, is an absolute wizard on this and has a lot of great content for that. But that's the rough kind of just of it, really. So for us, we um, luckily, and um, just to make this clear, uh, I was involved in the pair. I was, I was, the, I guess, the person who had the, the chief executive uh, pair. Um, but <laughs> the reality is, is that uh, we had uh, Joko Johansson, um, who put in, and uh, from our perspective, I think, um, an insane amount of effort uh, doing research on pairing estimates. So, okay, so I guess that's one thing to talk about. Mm, is that's probably the big thing, this, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So one of the big things is, um, so we, you use a matrix. So you have. Uh, your your faction versus your opposing team's factions and what the estimate for that would be. So we used a pretty simple system of win, draw, loss and flip. So a flip would mean if you go first or go second, it could be either higher or lower by like plus or minus four or something. So there's a, that's like a you know bit of a coin toss matchup. Draw is like in the ranges of um, uh, 10, 10, 9, 11, 11, 9. Uh, win is kind of like 12 plus, um, you know, 12, 13, 7, 12, 8. So that it's very simplistic, but we use that. Um, and I don't think you really need to go too much more complicated than that because it can make it more mm. difficult when you do your actual analysis of how to pair things. Uh, but the most important part is that you have accurate estimates of, say, for example, um, you want to play World Eaters into Gene Stealer Cult. You need an accurate estimate of how that matchup should go. Should it be a 12-8 loss? Should it be a 10-10 draw? Because... All of those things feed into how you do your practicing for your pairings. Um, now, Yoko is an absolute machine, and uh, he <laughs> literally contacted like lots of top European players, and uh, we had Brian actually do the same to ask for their estimates for their faction against other factions. So we had, um, uh, I don't know if they listened, but Meissen from um, team, um, team Poland give GSC estimates. We had Anthony Vanella give estimates for World Eaters. Uh, we had other estimates for Necrons. We had estimates for Einhands from all the top European WTC players. So that was a huge um, bonus because it means that you don't, you don't. Obviously, you want to try and play the matchup that you expect. You can have a practice game to the matchup that you expect you're going to play, but um, it allows you to do that and have a good degree of certainty to it as well. So um, <laughs> if a top player says it's a draw, and then you think, okay, that's a draw, and then you think, okay, there's a bit of there's quite a bit of player skill difference. It's like it's definitely a draw at that point. So. Um, that's really good. However, we didn't actually, when we paired, we didn't take into account player skill gap at all. So we only mm -hmm. paired on our matrix to say, this is a win on paper, this is a loss on paper, this is a draw, and we assumed that everyone was the same player skill difference. 
Yeah, and this event's a little bit interesting because in, say, WTC, the World Team Championships, you'll have different boards that people end up mm. playing on. In this event, there's just five boards with all the same terrain, so that variable is removed. So the only variable we need to account for outside of player skill, which we disregarded, was the, the mission that we were playing, which did sometimes affect how we felt some of our pairings would go. So be before each round, uh, we would kind of sit down as a team for about five minutes, all get our phones out, look at our little spreadsheet and see what our pairings are for that particular map, mm -hmm. uh, for that particular pairing uh, matchup. And we would kind of adjust appropriately depending on the mission. Yeah. And uh, I think that worked really, really well. Yeah. So we actually, before the tournament, we also had the tops, what we thought were about the top seven teams. We had all of their lists and factions and we had all of our pairings and practice pairings done into each of those teams, regardless of whether or not we, um, we hit them in the tournament. So um, we actually knew this is what our first defender will be. And if they if they defend with this, these are what our attackers are. And Jochen and I had actually done practice pairings against all of these other teams where either I would play the opposite team and Jochen would play Ignite and we would practice pair and be like, okay, this kind of happened. But then if we leave these two, we get a pin, you know, a pin on, uh, on this faction, for example. And actually pinning even in fives was super relevant for us because we had, mm. uh, we actually had two shooting lists and two melee lists, which allowed us to pin um, kind of matchups that either didn't want to be in melee or didn't want to be in shooting. So um, that was really good. And we actually used, even in fives, which I didn't think was actually that important uh, going into it, which Mike, even in fives, it's really important, is to defend your weak lists, um, avoid bad matchups, leave your strong, leave your really strong lists that are problematic for your opponent to deal with to the later stages, because then it makes the appearing more difficult. If you, if you run with that straight from the get-go, then actually... Um, it makes their pairing solution a lot more simplistic and straightforward. So we left um, a lot of scary people to the end, like uh, Jokul's Iron Hands, which were, um, you know, just crushing it against basically everyone, uh, mm -hmm. especially if they were trying to defend the list that um, like Chaos Knights or, or a vehicle list, for example, uh, we, you know, we had Iron Hands waiting there. So it made it really tricky for them. Uh, or we had like Brian's Orcs, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So those two were, um, those two were really good. Jokul was uh, an absolute machine. He, um, yeah, like guys, he would even, we had a Birmingham team, uh, thing and like, you would wake up in the morning and Yoko was like, yeah, I just wrote like eight paragraphs about, uh, <laughs> all the stuff here. And like, and, and it's not just like generic stuff. It's like, oh, this matchup for this mission against this team, we should probably do this. And it's, uh, it, all of that was like extremely useful. And yeah, we would, um, sit down before, like if it was, so we did run into teams that we didn't have pairings for. We would all come together on a laptop and um, insert the matrix, get our things done, and then we would go through a pairing process through that, and then um, and then yeah. So it was it was really cool, and that's the cool thing about team tournaments, guys, is that uh, it's really inclusive, and you can you don't have to do you don't have to go to that extreme, but that hard work really does pay off, I think. And the pairing process, I think, uh, was I think we probably did the pairing process the best throughout the tournament. We at least. At least from our perspective, I think we were the most organized. Uh, I can't speak for the organization of um, really our behind the scenes of what other teams did, but we were we had the you know we had our pairings process up, our spreadsheets up, everything like that. Um, which really, in all seriousness, is a, a, a very big influence from uh, Team Poland when they came and played over here as well. Um, we took mm -hmm. a lot of um, uh, inspiration from that, and yeah, hopefully we uh, got it well. I think our pairings went. Good. I don't know. Vic, before you go into uh, the I, overall pairings out of 10, you know, is it an 8 out of 10? Sort of? I, I thought it was absolutely incredible because 
the way you guys would kind of narrow it down with your practice and work out, oh, this is going to be our first defender. This is the person we need to protect. It's always Vic. You've got to protect Vic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and I, I thought that was so incredible. And then to actually see it play out during the pairing process, it's kind of like you guys knew in advance what they would do and everything. And then if they didn't do that, you were able to adapt really quickly to the situation mm. and then take advantage of any pair. I think that's probably the big thing taking advantage of a pairings mistake that the opponents made yep. and just making all of the rest of the pairings snowball out of control. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was really incredible to see. I think that was our game plan going into it too, right? So maybe, do you want to talk a little bit about our team composition, like the roles maybe we had for each player? Uh, uh, in terms of first defenders, you might be better placed to do that. <laughs> okay, I've been talking a bit. Um, yeah, so I think um, a, large, a large part, I was playing, so I was playing guard and my guard list was... <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but um, my guard list wasn't really going to be one of the big scoring lists. Uh, we kind of built my guard list. So I had two just very distinct um, archetypes I could go down. I could go down uh, Born Soldiers with Indirect, uh, which would be a pushing list. And by pushing, we kind of mean a list that we want to get into the right pairing to score big. Or I could go to an all-rounded list where basically I draw against anything almost. Uh, mm -hmm. and a list that's very tricky to play against and no one really has experience against, which is um, my kind of, I guess I'm the only one playing that I'm my kind of list at the moment. But um, mm -hmm. that was kind of the, the way that we'd go. And that's what we thought would be our first defender in a lot of matchups so that we could mm -hmm. put that forward. I'll, there, And then what that means, guys, is first defender is typically, I think, the role which should score the lowest, perhaps, because your opponent basically puts the two best against that and they have the most amount of options to do so. Uh, mm -hmm. And then so you are kind of taking one of your bad matchups for your team so that your other uh, factions can then get into places where ma matchups where they can hit big wins. So you like kind of sandbag your opponent's strength, which is um, one of their lists that are good against your team. You take that away from them so that you can get your list into one of their um, lists that are bad against it. So... Uh, we had a really good round where we played uh, where this happened and I took out first defender, one of their lists, and it ended up us getting our iron hands into their chaos knights. Uh, uh, this is against Vanguard Tactics, which we'll get onto yeah, later. Beautiful. And that's exactly the pairing you want, right? Like iron hands against chaos knights. I mean, shy of a, you know, that's a that's like a 17-3 on paper, right? Um, regardless yeah. of first or second, it's just it's super tough. And uh, our iron hands players also uh, plays a lot of chaos knights, so um, that's really good. So I was kind of the first defender. And then we had Vic, who was, um, I would probably say, a really all-rounder. Uh, you had two night spinners, which was great against Marines. And did you get mm -hmm. to play against Marines at all this weekend? You played against uh, uh, Ravenwing once, right? Uh, I played against uh, Ravenwing and Wordbearers. Ah, uh, yes. Don't, don't think that yeah. counts. <laughs> but uh, definitely Ravenwing once. Yeah, but uh, you got the 20-0 against Wordbearers as well, right? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. that's a good example of where we've got one list that's actually very good against something, and that's a matchup we want to get as well. Uh, but you weren't kind of one of our pushers, so to speak, mm -hmm. I think, right? Uh, yeah, and then we had uh, Brian playing Orcs and Yoko playing Iron Hands. And I think Yoko, uh, we all kind of agreed that these two were our ones that we wanted to get into the right pairings because they were mm -hmm. lists that can pressure your opponents so heavily that they just start to crumble. And those are where you can get your 15 fives, 16 fours, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so those are the two that we really tried to set up the most. And then we had Forest playing World Eaters, which was a bit more of a defender list for us. And it was a bit of a defender list that could score a little bit higher, but also had a few more bad matchups. So it was similar role to myself. 
but it was and a bit of there was a similar role to myself it was a bit more coin flippy in a lot of ways uh, yeah, so Absolutely. that's kind of we had th- one all rounder, two defenders, and and two pushers, which I think you know worked out well in general. Right? Oh, and I wanted to mention for people who don't know how the uh, the twenty nil pair, uh, point system works, mm. you essentially do your normal scoring, take the difference between the two players' scores, and divide that by five, and that'll give you your differential scoring. So if you uh, basically you know win by approximately 15 points is actually 16 but let's say 15 uh that'll be a three point differential which means the game score is 13 and 7. yep so there's only 20 points up for grabs is the way i think about it and you've got to take your lion's share so each round is 100 points and if uh one team gets 51 points to the opponent's 49 that's a win yep yeah exactly so there's no draws uh in this um in this format like wtc where it might be a draw if you score within yeah, three unless points. you get 50 50. exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um which is you know more common than it would you guys would think as well um mm-hmm. getting draws in team tournaments is uh is very common because of the differential system and some teams are very close right so you might have a stomp on one side you might have a you know but you guys might get a stomp and then there might be a lot of draws a lot of 10 tens happen uh in team mm-hmm. tournaments as well so yeah, that's kind of the overall format. So we just go over that part so you guys, when we talk about the rest of the, um, our series and our games, you guys kind of get the uh, the understanding going forward. So I want to kind of get started maybe with the uh, with the games, mm-hmm. but maybe we can uh, hit a little bit of jazz music. A little bit of jazz. See you uh, on the other side of it. See you guys on the other side. Part two. So here we go. We're going to talk about our games. Now, our first two rounds, we're going to talk about a little bit more briefly. Um, these ones were, you know, really fun to play against these guys. They're very, very lovely. But there's a little bit of a list advantage um, <laughs> yeah. for us in these ones. So uh, we started off in round one playing against Ordo Hispanicus. We had a, a little bit of time because we knew that this was our pairing a few days in advance. So we were able to kind of have a practice run and get ourselves warmed up a little bit with uh, kind of rechecking our matrix and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember any details of the pairing process in this, Dave, or should I just go through what our pairings were? Yeah, just maybe just go through what our pairings were. Sure. So we had me paired into uh, Kano's uh, uh, guard, mm-hmm. um, and then we had Dave paired into Imperial Knights. Um, uh, Boris paired, Boris with the World Eaters paired into Necrons. We had our Orcs with Brian paired into their Blood Angels. And then we had our Iron Hands Yoko paired into their Drakari. Um, and now out of these, we had three games which were 20-0 wins. So this is a, which is a win of greater than 50 points. Um, so that was Dave absolutely killing the imperial knights um we had brian absolutely killing the blood angels and we had the iron hands as you would expect going straight through the drakari mm. um i think uh, possibly the more interesting ones were the other two games which were actually pretty close here um we had boris playing the world eaters uh, into necrons and i think boris had a like a challenging game there mm. where he actually realized that is exactly how the game will go regardless of who he's playing against mm-hmm. um and it's always going to be a round draw territory which i think was actually pretty useful for us to know for sure definitely. um because i think we kind of had world eaters as doing a little bit better into necrons than that in our heads mm-hmm. and actually uh at the time i spe- we specifically put boris into necrons here because uh team england were playing necrons so we wanted to get kind of some live information or at least Boris gets some practice into that right from the get-go. 
Yeah, and he came straight out of them and was like, look, guys, that is always going to be around this kind of 10-10 draw mm-hmm. mark. Um, and then I also learned a lesson that if I take all of the anti-tank out of my list and I play into a list with a lot of tanks, it's going to be a little bit more tricky. <laughs> um, so my game ended up as a 10-10 as a draw against the uh, Astra Militarum. And uh, yeah, uh, we kind of got towards the end and just slowed down the process because we were the last game to finish. Um, I probably could have tried pushing for a little bit more of a differential at the end, but there was no point uh, kind of pointlessly playing for points you know yeah uh so ended that one up with an 81 19 win to uh, team ignite mm-hmm. we were off to a pretty fiery start there fiery start got him absolutely <laughs> um and then uh, we moved on to the second uh second uh, round which was against the warp.co.uk yep. Uh, and this one was led by one of the UKTC judges, Alan, yep. uh, who's, he, he walks around and, and this time I was like, I swear I've seen you before, Alan, you <laughs> know, really you nice look guy. awfully familiar. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, yeah, one of the UKTC judges It's like, oh, there you go. Without his high-vis jacket yep. on. Um, so we, uh, we kind of did our pairings on this one. Now, this is one where we actually won this round pretty uh, dramatically because mm-hmm. we ended up winning this round 93 to 7 um against uh the, the lovely warp.co.uk mm-hmm. um i got paired into word bearers which was actually alan's list uh and i got a 20-0 in that one mm-hmm. um dave got paired into their orcs he got a 20-0 mm-hmm. uh, brian's orcs got paired into their demons mm-hmm. which was the zinch demons oh my <laughs> so orcs into zinch demons is really painful yeah. for <laughs> zinch demons uh so that was another 20-0 uh, Boris got the World Eaters going into Grey Knights, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Grey Knights, uh, sorry, World Eaters have a brilliant matchup there as well. And he got a 19 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, Yoko got put into the Death Guard, and he had a little bit more of a game there, and he ended up uh, winning at 14 6. Mm-hmm. Um, so, pretty convincing, uh, convincing round two as well. So, two good stuff. After, after a really solid start. Um, but you know it's going to start heating up a little bit now because we're starting to hit some teams who've really prepared uh, hard, and I yeah. think this next team is probably one of the teams that did prepare the most. Perhaps we should uh, for uh, this event. Yeah, and maybe just yeah. some context before we go into this. So there's 64 mm. teams. After round one, there's 32, uh, and after round two, there's 16 teams. So mm. going into round three, there's 16 teams, and I think at this tournament there are probably about 12 teams full of fully regular UKTC players, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so UKTC players that practice very often and, uh, you know, play online and stuff like that. And whilst maybe their first team event, you know, often probably isn't their first team event. So mm-hmm. actually the field is like, it's getting quickly, getting quite a bit more competitive. Yeah. And these are guys who regularly kind of go for one, yep. uh, at least at tournaments at the big events. So these are, are teams full of really good players from here on in. Mm um yeah dave i don't know have you got have you got the uh the team up i have again? got it up so we played against mind goblins who actually came second uh at both of the last team events i believe right mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's right so um i was kind of happy to hit these guys because uh i feel like not to take anything away from them but the last couple of team events they have uh they've kind of snuck through to the finals as um this is actually the first team event where i think the two most favorable teams finally met in the uh, in the finals. Um, once again, this is not taking away anyway, anything away from them, but historically at these type of events, either Poland or Dicetown and England have crushed, have hit each other very early in the tournament. So just a little bit. I mean, there's only been like a couple of tournaments, so it's not like a huge. Uh, I think draw. the 
team scene has improved to the point where, you know, I think that while you could say, you know, Team England and our team had a player skill advantage going into this, mm. I think it's not going to be long before it's, it's like six teams competing yes. to try and get into the finals, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I, I, look, I definitely agree. And um, mm. so Mind Goblins is uh, not is Don Medlow's team, but it's the team started by Don Medlow. And they've um, been doing really well recently. So mm -hmm. uh, we were taking this one seriously and we did have our pairings metrics uh, done for this team. Now, mm -hmm. their lineup was uh, Dom Medlow playing Chaos Demons, uh, Lewis Bollington playing Dark Angels, Carl Grundy playing Tau Empire, Lewis Fitzsimmons playing Grey Knights, and Tom Green playing Orcs. So I think one thing we were looking at going into this is that the all-round best list here without any direct weaknesses is probably chaos demons and the mm -hmm. dark angels list is probably one of their defenders but the problem being is that lots of people have a lot of experience into dark angels uh and then kyle grundy playing tau is a little bit of a flip um and then uh lewis fitzsimmons playing gray knights is arguably just a little bit more of a worse uh, kind of it's like a b level faction i think you could take in in a team event right Probably doesn't mm -hmm. fit in that top eight, and then uh, orcs is actually a very good uh, is a very good um, faction we think as well, right? So mm -hmm. they've got some it's... potential weaknesses here. Yeah. So do you remember how you kind of approached this? Yeah, let me see if I got on the spreadsheet right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, uh... mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you've like written down first defender and oh, it's actually all written down here. This is pretty cool. Wait, hold up. I'm still looking for it. Yeah. Sure. Oh, this is. Um... It's in that oh yes yes yeah. cool yeah okay so um i'll I, let's let's go into the pairings here so we've got mm -hmm. um when we look at our pairings uh, and versus their lists we've got a couple of interesting things so vic has two kind of bad games or he has two losses so he's mm -hmm. got a loss into deathwing and a loss into gray knights and a draw into demons and a flip into goths so vic is kind of our weakest player here and, mm -hmm. and, and you know in terms of you need the most defending right Mm -hmm. uh and then actually our strongest player is uh <laughs> it's probably myself with five w's <laughs> yeah your straight wins across the board there um uh but then we've also got uh and another interesting thing is brian has got a two w's into gray knights so these are kind of the things that you look for is that who are your where are your losses going to be and where are your w's going to be because it's it's important to focus on protecting yourself from losses but at the same time, it's okay to take a loss if you've got a dub, if you've got a big win. So it's two sides of the same coin, but people tend to focus on the loss side of that quite heavily. So they tend to look at the downsides rather than look at the upside sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a player who's very good at defending and you've got a player in terms of player like style or skill, I don't know if that's necessarily a thing, but if you've mm -hmm. got that someone who's comfortable in the pushing position and you've got someone who's comfortable in the defending position, if that lines up with your two w's and your l then actually it's maybe not as bad as you think um so i think for this one we opened up with our iron hands here so that's probably because our iron hands didn't have any pin against it so there was nothing that our iron hands could be um, bad against and what we had was we then have our so we have a little box that says we first defend with iron hands and then we attack if they provide any of the following attackers we def uh, if they provide their following defenders then we attack with our um without with these two combinations and then that would the idea is that we've been through this pairing process before so that we then um know what the subsequent pairings are going to work out to be yeah that's pretty cool and i'm pretty sure they um 
use their first defender as Tau, didn't they, yep. in this one? That's correct, yeah. Um, yeah, and you've got it listed down. If they do that, we've got to attack with our Eldar and our Orcs. Yeah. Um, so I think you obviously good in Tau. You had the W there, and yeah. What our theory there is also is that Brian has a flip against Tau, but Brian is just a monster. So Brian also <laughs> plays Tau, and yeah. actually Orcs can get you in such a bind that you can very quickly get steamrolled. So if we put you know their Tau in a position of do you want to play Vic or Brian, who arguably <laughs> I don't know the two best players in their faction on the planet. You know, it's not exactly an easy prospect <laughs> to look into. So uh, they ended up taking the Orcs there, and uh, that ended up being quite a good uh, win for us. And then, mm -hmm. so if we go down through the scores, we've got... Uh, let me bring it up here. So uh, yes. Vic, actually, we'll go over your game. Your game is yeah, actually... Yeah, we'll go my game right? at the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Uh, we had myself playing against Dark Angels. Now, uh, we kind of went into this, and I said in the pairing process, I said... I can take out the Dark Angels is fine because a lot of people had um, actually we had two losses and a drawing against Dark Angels. But the thing is, I've played this exact mission against this exact army three times already in high tournament positions. So I was just super comfortable being like, I know exactly what everything does. You know, I know how to play this game. There's no surprises at this point. Like it's like bread and butter to me playing this game. So I was like, I'll take the Dark Angels. That's absolutely fine. Um, I was pretty confident about like a 12, 8, 13, 7 kind of at that point, um, regardless mm -hmm. if they go first or second there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we got uh, Brian into Kyle Grundy, Mang Tao. Uh, yeah. I guess, oh, so let's go through the results. We, uh, sorry guys, this is a bit of a different format for us as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting no backwards and forwards. So I managed to get a 16 4 against the Dark Angels. That's a really good win. Yeah. And then Brian ended up getting uh, an 18 2 against the Tau. And yeah. that's what can happen if you get. That's what you said. Yeah. If you like, if you give Brian an opening, then uh, you know that's tough. The, was there a Kareen involved? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that ability is really busted, by the way. That's a highlight of Brian's play, yeah. I think. <laughs> and then uh, Yoko ended up getting an 11 9 into Grey Knights. So we actually mm -hmm. had that as a draw. So yep. a little bit, you know, yep. exactly what we were expecting there. Hit the matrix perfectly. Uh, and then in addition to that, we had Boris getting a 17-3 against Orcs as well. So if we look... That's a surprising one. It's... That's an interesting one. Yeah, in fact, That's... that was probably the most lovely game out of the whole uh, mm. the whole match there. They, those two were having a blast. I <laughs> looked at that board several times and it was just like bodies of orcs and world eaters everywhere i had no idea what was happening i looked at the table and thought man there's a lot of orcs on the table and then i was like oh that looks kind of bad for us and then uh boris is like oh no no yeah it's going really well for me he had like you know you see like three world eaters it's like three eight bound and they clean like a whole squad and you're like oh okay that's quite good uh, all the fight on death is really good there as well right mm -hmm. so that's just like a i think that matchup is probably very drawish but um you know you can, you know, with the fight on death and the world leader output can potentially get a little bit bigger there as well, right? So he actually had that down as an L, as a loss. So Boris mm -hmm. outperforming uh, there as well. But those those games were good. But you had a really tight game against Dom Madlow, who is a very good player and actually has gotten a lot better uh, recently. Mm -hmm. I've definitely noticed his play has been seriously improving. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've played Dom a few times, even played him recently with a very kind of similar Eldar list mm -hmm. at a recent tournament. And he has kind of made some changes to it, which improve it in the Eldari matchup. Because um, I, I think the Eldar matchup is slightly favored to the Eldar if it's all played completely correctly. Mm. Uh, but in this case, Dom's dropped Bellacore from his list. He's going for Chaos Undivided, and he's used Bellacore's points to essentially put loads of extra little MSU units into the list. 
and made a slight tilt towards a few more Zinch units in his list as well. Mm. So these are all things that do very well into Eldari. And, um, you know, I, I've, I spoke a little with, with a few of his team members. I spoke with Dom as well. Um, and a big part of this was for his own personal development. He really wanted to play me again mm. uh, at this tournament. And the way our matrix was set up, there's no chance that I would ever have been a defender in this. So there's no way really that without being a defender, I was going to avoid Dom if he really wanted to play mm. me. Yep. Um, so... I ended up getting paired into Dom, and this game also has a little bit of a flip element here where the person who goes first can get a little bit of early damage, a lead on attrition, and start to get the momentum a little bit in their favor. In the previous game, I went first, which was a big deal breaker in terms of our score. In this one, uh, Dom went first, so we were in for a really interesting game. Uh, Dom made all of his approach moves, did everything, and then I started trading with him. And in his second turn, uh, it started to fall apart a little bit for me mm. <laughs> because um, uh, demons have some very interesting deep striking rules uh, where they essentially deep strike in what in the like within whatever your leadership is. Yes. So if your leadership eight, they can deep strike eight inches away rather than the normal nine. Mm. Demons have a twelve inch aura of minus one to your leadership, so you can take away one from it. And then they also have a Warped Storm ability uh, where they spend a few points and they can make that minus one leadership into minus two leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I forgot slash didn't really know about this additional minus one leadership. It's been a while since I've played Demons, right? So you haven't had um, to practice it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I didn't really account for that. I kind of did all my measurements. I set up my forward screen. That's what you always do against deep striking armies. You get a little bit of damage in, score your points, and while you're doing that, you try and set up units for a screen. Mm -hmm. um, so you use the bare minimum for that. And sometimes you need to throw one extra unit to do a little bit of screening where they haven't actually gained you any value, gained any value for you. And for me in my list, that's the Venoms. They're only 40 points. They move 22 inches and they just fill in the gaps in my screen. So I set up this forward screen and then the rest of my army behind it. And I tried to set up a certain amount of space uh, so he couldn't kind of deep strike behind my front screen. Mm -hmm. um, what I didn't account for is when he puts the additional minus one leadership, it leaves a perfectly flamer sized shape between my two screens. <laughs> and he was able to put not one unit of five flamers, but two units of five flamers directly in the middle of my two screens. Um, now, I have to make a point here that I think um, if in the previous two times if we played, I think Dom would have probably told me that there's a gap in the middle. Mm. Um, like, for example, at the start of this game, Dom like tried to move a unit to try and charge me. And I was like, look, man, are you sure you want to do that? My unit is light sated. So if you charge me, I can move six inches away and this unit will just be left in the open. And he was like, oh, OK, OK. And he put his unit back where it was. Yeah. Uh, which is the normal way to do it. But I think Dom was so focused, he was like, I have to try and win this game. Mm. So this was step one of that. He put his 10 flamers in the middle and he killed both layers of my screen. So I lost about eight units in that turn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so just most of my army just removed and now I'm playing with scraps. Um, we ended up playing through the game and kind of doing all the little trading. I got my few little tricks off. He got a few more little tricks. Uh, in there and uh, we ended up with still a pretty tight score here um there was about a seven point difference between us mm -hmm. so it was an 11 9 to him mm. 
which was on point with our matrix. We did have it down as a draw. Mm -hmm. um, we got put down in BCP as a zero zero though. <laughs> and the reason for that is um, we were talking out the last bit of the game because we ran out of time on the round, mm. uh, which, you know, it was a really intense hard fought game and it happened. And while we were talking it out, you go into this little bubble because it was such an intense game. Um, we were just in our little bubble, just talking to each other. And I didn't even realize there were people around me or anything like that. And I had um, two of the judges behind me. <laughs> and they were kind of giving us instructions or telling us, you know, submit the score. Like you have to make sure you stop talking out, stuff like that. And we just carried on. <laughs> and, and they made the very fair decision to go like, look, guys, you haven't followed our instructions. So regardless of what the score of the game is, we're going to put you both down as a 0-0. Zero, zero. Mm. Now, I don't want to take this away from Dom. Even though it's a 0-0 zero, zero on paper, I think everyone should know that he did manage to win this game. Mm. And I think for him, it's a really good personal achievement. His player skill improved so significantly from the previous time I played him mm -hmm. uh, that I think, uh, you know, well played to Dom. There's uh, so much respect for, for that kind of that outcome there. Yeah. And uh, super, uh, close around than our previous one. Although, mm -hmm. uh, what was the final score on that one? Uh, this, that score would be 29 to 71 for us. So it's still actually a pretty, pretty decisive win. Yeah. So we got the uh, bitter end of some of the uh, draws there. But I think mm -hmm. that was the that was a tough matchup because so uh, we didn't have anything that was super amazing into demons like maybe you know myself because I've got practice into it or Brian mm -hmm. but um, they can very easily if we defend with guard they can make it so that doesn't happen as well so mm -hmm. kind of bust you a little bit there didn't we <laughs> ah yeah I, I got it it's all right though and I I hope you guys found that analysis a little bit interesting because I think demons are really popular uh, at this point very good too uh, very mm -hmm. strong faction. Uh, so let's go on to round four. So the the round the day concludes. It's eight o'clock. We're the last team in the hall, and uh, we get told to get out of the hall. So we're off. Mm -hmm. We are staying at Vic's. A lot of us are staying at Vic's house. So Vic was very gracious to host us in his lovely place. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had the team house, and then uh, the pairings get up, and we get uh, our good friends, uh, Warmasters Alpha, who uh, we literally know everyone in this team. Uh, we play against um, Jack Tight and Nassim Fushane um regularly on tts so this is like very familiar territory for us so the team is uh nassim fushane who's a obviously top caliber player uh, on tau uh rafael harbinson who i don't i'm not so familiar with but he played very well uh playing iron mm -hmm. hands jack tight mm -hmm. who was playing chaos demons who was on a 29 game win streak oh yes he was yeah yeah uh, and this is one of the lists <laughs> i talked about beforehand which mm -hmm. i thought was very good uh andy bourbon who's a longtime player playing as gray knights and then mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Balcombe playing the infamous 20 Wardens. So we had some interesting mm -hmm. elements to this uh, to this matrix. I'm going to mm -hmm. bring it up here. Uh, our yeah. matrix looks, if I'm being honest, relatively green across the board, which yeah, solves... matrix it. looks better here, doesn't yeah. it, than the previous one. So this solves a lot. Of, obviously, it's easier for your appearance to go well if, you, if your matrix are relatively green um, over the place. So um, mm -hmm. the couple of lists that we were uh, not great into were... We only had one W against uh, Demons. So mm -hmm. the rest of them were draws. And I was probably a loss there, actually. So I put a draw, but I made a very quick call when it came to game plan time that actually that was probably a loss. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, I'll go into that in a second. Uh, we had um, five wins against their tower player. 
<laughs> okay, I'm joking. We had four. Yes. Uh, but um, <laughs> Boris had an uh, four to save the disrespect. <laughs> uh, and then we had uh, we had a double loss into their Grey Knights, which was uh, Vic into Grey Knights. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we had their Iron Hands, which we only had one win into, which was Vic as well. I had a draw. I had a loss against that, uh, but I picked up a draw. And then we had two draws and a flip. So. In terms of their strength of, of their pairings, uh, their Iron Hands and their Demons, both their strong suits. So mm-hmm. for us, ideally, if we can get Orcs into their um, into their Demons and we can get me into their Iron Hands, or ideally we get Vic into their Iron Hands, then that mm-hmm. would be a good start. So what we ended up going with this one is we went with me first, um, which is kind of thematic. Uh, so basically because if they put up if we figured if we go with myself first, they're most likely to go with Iron Hands and Demons. Now, at the time, I was thinking, um, actually, I would rather play the Demons. But we were sitting down, and we have this all written down. So if they if they go with um, if they go with me, we you know they're going to go Iron Hands, Bellacore, the Demons, and then we take the Demons matchup, and their Iron Hands falls down. We pick that we challenge into that later on. But I something just told me Jack's on a twenty nine game win streak here. And um, <laughs> I looked at the list and I thought it's, it's Tide of Conviction as well, which changes a lot mm-hmm. for the matchup. Mm-hmm. That changes the Demon Guard matchup a lot because, you know, it, it gets the pressure on a lot quicker. Uh, and I just looked at it and I thought, you know what? This, I didn't account for something. I, I, I thought, David, if he takes the action secondary where he can do the actions on the markers at the end of the game and he goes second here, then I'm actually going to be in a really big bind. And I didn't really want to be in that bind. So I thought, you know what? The same logic as last time. I thought, I've played against Iron Hands so much, and I've been destroyed by Iron Hands so often, that I'm just going to play into Iron Hands, and I'm going to try and hope that I can scrap a draw here based on maybe player skill differential. Um, You know, my list is very weird, so people haven't played into it very much. And that's the way we're going to go. And that can give us the chance to get one of our good matchups into Bellacore into their demons so <laughs> that's the way we end up doing it i end up playing against iron hands and then our second round pairing i believe we put uh i actually don't know who we put next oh i don't know who they are who did they defend with i can't remember that little bit i haven't there, actually but... got this written down yeah. <laughs> but let's go let's go through the pairings uh because yeah. i guess one of our one of our big ones was we wanted to avoid we wanted to get either of our melee armies into gray knights uh, mm-hmm. So I think they actually went with Grey Knights, perhaps, and we attacked with Orcs and um, World Eaters. They picked up mm-hmm. the uh, the World Eaters, and then we ended up getting our Orcs into their, um, uh, into their demons. demons. So mm-hmm. that ended up working out really well for us. So the mm-hmm. pairings were... this is Now, this is a really... By the way, if you guys, you know, maybe you don't play on TTS and hang out there, but uh, Yoko Johansson playing into Nassim Fushane, uh, uh, in for the first time in real life, uh, playing against mm-hmm. each other in a tournament setting, which is a lot different from practicing online. Uh, Tau versus Iron Hands. Uh, Yoko was very happy to pick up the draw there. 10-10 draw. Mm-hmm. I drew into Iron Hands. 10-10, which I think is a little bit better outcome than I was hoping for. Yeah, I, you were slightly up on your matrix Yeah, there. but I could have gotten an 11-9 that one, but I got a, mm-hmm. very greedy at the end there and actually uh, lost that game in a single set, but I, I would have played a lot differently had I um, had I have... Um, been playing singles because there was a pod on an objective and we all know how that kind of goes mm-hmm. uh, and then we had brian Sype into jack type this is the matchup we wanted now i can confirm there was a big kareen involved uh with a, <laughs> with a battle wagon 16 mortal wounds uh into jack's army 
and um, there was an emergency disembarkation for uh, a primary steel as well. Now, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, I'll go into Korean another time, but that ability is so frustrating, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was a, a huge win uh, for Brian, uh, which and and Jack um, notably also plays uh, has played Orcs quite a lot as well, so um, mm -hmm. a huge win for our pusher there. And 19-1, wasn't it? 19-1. And Demons are really Gosh. consistent in scoring as well. But Titan Conviction mm. is a hold two, hold three. And uh, once Demons can kind of struggle because you don't have as many trading assets. And Orcs have a lot of attacks at maybe not the greatest AP and a lot of high toughness bodies. So actually that profile is kind of hard for Demons to kill. Um, mm. And then we've got Andy B against Mark Boris Michev. Uh, Boris picks up a 16-4 there. The pro yeah. Twice into GK now, and he smashed them both yeah. times. The pregame move against Grey Knights on Tider Conviction is a tough mm. one to play around as well. And then uh, the pairing, which I think is probably the most interesting, maybe, <laughs> is uh, you playing against 20 Wardens. So do you want to chat about that one briefly? So we were, we were all having some drinks the night before, and uh, you know I was really tired, so I was getting loopy. I was starting to say things which I shouldn't have been saying <laughs> about pairings. I was so over getting overconfident, like, oh, everyone, like, you know, we're going to win everything. And then, uh, like, Brian and Yokel just stopped me for a second. It's like, look, Vic, you put in the pairing that you're going to beat Custodes. And I was talking about, oh, I think I double win this. I think I get a big win. And they were like, hold on a second. Do you know what they do? And I was like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, they kind of ran me through it. And they, they convinced me down a little bit on it. Um, so my argument, why I thought uh, Eldar would be very good into Custodes, regardless of the fact that I don't necessarily, you know, have any any great anti-tanky kind of guns, mm. but I do have a lot of ignore cover at strength six, which is a break point. Um, AP two, which is a break point as well, mm. where you put them on their invuln save, you're wounding on threes. Uh, and I have that in high volume with mortal wounds as well from psychic phase. And I think all of these things mean that I can do damage to the warden units. And the big factor that I thought made this game much easier than it otherwise would have been is that we're playing on Tide of Conviction. A Dawn of War mission, where we have the entire width of the board to play, really allows very fast armies like Eldar to hit one side of the board and stay out of range of these kind of melee blocks of units. Mm -hmm. Now, Custodes are a little bit faster than Deathwing Terminators. Um, so they move, I'd say they move almost double the speed. Yeah. So it means they will always reach the middle of the board on turn two. So as long as I accept I'm losing my home objective on turn two, and I'm playing everywhere else on the board, it's going to be fine. Um, I beat 45 Deathwing Terminators with exactly the same concept on this mission. Mm -hmm. And when we went in and played this game, um, Jamie's super nice. I played him before and, uh, you know, he realized very quickly after my first turn where I killed 11 of the Wardens. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that he's at 11 of the Wardens and also an entire flank of random units that he can't actually do any kind of approach turn without too much attrition. And then his unit of wardens that was intact, I missed restrain, which was the half movement. Mm. If I'd hit restrain, he would have had nothing to get into. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, he managed to get onto my home objective and I just took his home objective. And then he uh, lost his army by turn four. And one of, the, yeah. one of the strong things in that army is the no fallback, right? Or you have to roll off to fallback. Uh, but yeah. that only works against things that don't fly, if I'm correct, right? Uh, you get plus one to the roll if you fly. Ah, exactly. So it can can even work on that. Mm. But 
um really like it's it won't come up in this game in this matchup oh so you just uh it, whatever he touches he kills and then you just need to not let him touch something that survives into combat for a turn exactly yeah. you like keep the bare minimums on the objectives that he wants to or can get to mm -hmm. and you just kill all of the other supporting pieces until it's only 10 wardens alive mm -hmm. uh and so i killed his entire army except this one unit of 10 wardens just on my home objective yeah um and and like it was very obvious that that was the progression of the game as soon as we started mm. um so yeah you know jamie jamie saw it coming and he was just like oh this is not good after we started uh kind of rolling out the dice mm. um and it ended up as a 17-3 for the elder yeah it's very hard if you have like so that, that list you know it essentially has two units right and mm -hmm. you know if you were to play say if you if your opponent had two big knights like you would think mm -hmm. okay well i kill one and i run around the board right um, so it can't be everywhere, it can't hold all the objectives, and that's kind of similar in that theme. Um, if you can kill one, run around the board, it can't be everywhere, especially with an yeah. army with so much speed. He had two little uh, knights, which were actually really good mm, um, oh, yeah. versus me. Um, but the thing is, on this mission, the tw kind of the range that I can move and then charge, it's so easy for me to just throw a viper into the into the mm. armages and then they just end up shooting the viper mm. um and it, it, you can kind of really pin them down and i only really need two turns where those knights don't really do anything for him to have taken too much damage mm. uh so it, it was a quite a straightforward game plan in the end nice um, got him that one was uh 72 win for us 28 loss for warmasters alpha but a big shout out to the guys they're all they're all super lovely um like super regular players uh and they're all uh like complete blast play and so that was a super fun round i'm really glad we got to play them so we played mind goblins we played war masters and then the next round uh was so much fun as well uh now mm -hmm. at this point there was actually a one in three chance of hitting team england mm -hmm. we had prepared extensively for our matrixes for hitting england on this mission and the next mission that was our area of primary focus so uh we were actually this uh i think bomb mission we thought was a little bit better for us into england but i think mm -hmm. actually the way it worked out scouring was going actually ended up being better so we were uh, going into this we were actually saying look you know if we do hit england now uh we're you know it's not gonna be too bad this should be on paper um we're up two points here on our matrix so it should be a bit of a it should be a positive um territory but we hit uh, vanguard tactics who are going currently x and o at this point um and this is a team we played against previously when we played for Dice Town at the first team tournament as well, right? With a mm -hmm. similar um, number of players in them, uh, mm -hmm. Ben Jones and Mike Costello. Uh, and yeah, I was super excited to play this one. Um, all these guys are super lovely as well. So uh, this is awesome. Uh, so we did have a matrix for this team as well. Uh, our matrix is no longer in existence from what I can see uh, for this one, there should, unfortunately. There should be a VT tab. Matrix yeah, but it's uh, it's it's you might have to uh, have a little look oh, to see if you can find right. it. Right, <laughs> yes, you are it's, it's, it was lost in the wall. Some editing, <laughs> editing issues, going on. <laughs> okay, um, never mind that. All right, scrap that, guys. But yeah, okay. Um, they did have so they had some really interesting lists here. They had mm -hmm. um, Ben Jones playing Aldari with Triple Phoenix Lord, which was actually a mm. tough one for a lot of us. Uh, mm -hmm. and then they had uh, Chaos Knights with 13 Armages. Which was tough Jake. for some of our lists, but very, very good for other our other lists as well. Mm -hmm. They had Turnids, which we had five Ws against, but actually the game 
we got didn't end up going at W. No, we were wrong, I think, with that. And Definitely. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what else did they also have? They had... Uh... Uh, they had George Crabtree with his demons, who yep. apparently played very, very well against Brian. Mm. Um, and then they had Jack Downey, who played into me. Uh, he had the um, the kind of Ravenwing heavy list. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll kick it up this time first. Uh, mm, yeah. So throughout the UKTC tournament, I've, I mean, I've been playing it for, I guess, two over two years now. Um, and uh, there's always been a guy I've chatted to because he's just such a he's a really nice guy. Oh, so nice. Uh, ben Jones. And um, I've always just chatted to him about, hey, what are you playing, man? Oh, you having a good time? And, and uh, oh, yeah, I really like that. And um, it's a super nice guy, like goes to LVO and stuff like that. But I've actually never played him before. And I guess if you're a listener, you've probably got people like that, you know, that you've never actually played against in the tournament before. But I ended up playing Ben Jones here and uh, it's such an awesome game. But I was more than anything, I was just like, I was just more excited than Ben. So um, I really enjoy playing new players that I haven't played against um, before. Um, it's just, you know, there's something cool about meeting new people um, in the game. Um, so. I ended up winning this one 16-4, and I think we had this down as a draw. But there's a big caveat to this. Uh, Ben's list is quite first turn dependent. It's got two units of Warwalkers, one of two, one of three. It's got Karandras, Striking Scorpions, uh, and then it's got another four. And then it's got D Cannons, which you can put on the line, move, and then shoot. So it's And he's got a unit five Shroud Runners, a unit of three Shroud Runners. So... I have the benefit of being in Team Ignite, which means that I regularly get destroyed by our, like, ever so growing number of Eldari players on a regular basis. So I'm just like a huge punching bag, more or less. Um, so at this point, I know what basically all this stuff does. <laughs> and uh, I actually chat to Vic beforehand. And this is the best part about having a team as well. You know, you can chat to your teammates. And I literally said to Vic, I was like, run me through this, this is what I need to do. And Vic was basically like, look, David. This, there's a lot of alpha strike in this list. You need to be careful. You can move the D cannons, shoot. So if you're like um, 30 inches away, 31, from, 31 yeah. away from the line, so he can't shoot you. You know, Karandras and the Striking Scorpions, and then blah, blah, blah. So we're playing an angular deployment mission. It's the bomb mission, uh, which is probably... Uh, normal Aldari is quite good on the bomb mission, but he needs to use a lot of his cheap resources immediately. Uh, so, you know, probably, probably better for me because I've got guards and I'm going to outflank and get boots and can plant bombs there. So uh, what ends up happening is I win two crucial things. I win the first roll off to four deploy, which means that I put all my three Sentinels right in the diagonal middle part of the board. Now, Sentinels having big bases is usually pretty shitty, but actually this is the one scenario where they're really good because you can you can um, negate your opponent from forward deploying a huge part of the board. And he basically would have to commit everything to one side or everything to another side. Uh, and so what I did is I put my command squad uh, just my basic command squad um, on the top ruin, entirely in cover, very important, and Sly Marbo on the battlefield. And I told Ben, I was like, just be careful because I can vicious trap you when you charge me. And so my, my idea here was that, okay, you can commit your Karandras and your Striking Scorpions to kill to maybe get my command squad, but it's not a given because I can vicious trap you. The Ogren is ridiculously tanky. I can transhuman. And if you don't kill me, I'm going to get that for free, pull back my squad, revive next turn. So I had that kind of defensive, and then I deployed all my stuff defensively with my Sentinels taking up most of the space and the Chimeras um, uh, to defend most of my stuff. And so what ended up happening again is uh, I went first. So uh, this is like a huge <laughs> advantage because not only is Ben's army really alpha strikey, but he's talking behind enemy lines here. So um, I knew that if I focused on taking other elements that were going to score behind enemy lines, that was going to be good for me. 
Uh, and then in addition to that, the unit of five Shroud Runners and the War Walkers mean that his footprint's quite large. And I've played the Aldari matchup enough to know that the way, the only way you can beat this army is if you take engagements on your own terms. So mm-hmm. if you can ever get a chance to move and shoot them, you have to take it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to, you have to have like, I guess, not the courage, but you have to have the mindset you need to push stuff to actually get angles. Because the way that Aldari always wins is if they come out, do something, and then they, and then you come in your next turn, kill that, and then they do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just, you're never on the uh, aggressive game plan there. So Rogel Dawn on the line, advance, roll a five, 17 inches, full rerolls to hit, and then, uh, you know, pick up some Shroud Runners and pick up some War Walkers. But most importantly is my, my Dawn is on an objective on his half of the board and uh, counts as five models. And I can see into his, um, basically his home uh, deployment zone. And um, after that, it was quite tough for Ben. Ben got extremely unlucky as well. His Baharoth failed to get back up. Uh, and then his Karandras failed to get back up. Oh, no. <laughs> and his, but his Aerolith uh, um, uh, got back up as well. So, I mean, with swings like that, it's super hard to win the game. And uh, mm. my list is extremely good if it goes first, because it can deny primary very well. And once I get my transports into positions where you can't shoot them, it's very hard for you to stop me from doing what I want to do after that. But nice. it was a bit of a deep dive. Nice. It was a super, yeah. uh, super lovely game. Um, I will be very happy to play Jack, uh, to play Ben again because um, I hope he gets the better end of the dice rolls next time. Um, <laughs> so you uh, you ended up with a sixteen four there. Yep, uh, nice win. And we had uh, uh, yeah, you had Yokel going into Jake's Chaos Knights, which was probably the uh, the most amazing matchup we could have had in that in that pairing. Yeah, exactly. We had. Iron Hands are obviously fantastic into Chaos Knights, but also our Iron Hands player is a very good Chaos Knight player. So when you get that combination where you're an expert mm. on your faction, you've also played your opponent's faction, as we'll talk about later, it's really, really tough. It's an uphill battle. Um, yep. So that was a 20-0 for us, which was great. Mm-hmm. Boris Michiv, uh lost 8-12 to Mike Costello. We thought this was a win, but actually it's one of those things where Mike Costello is obviously a very good player, and he's played this list um, through multiple tournaments, and... It's not exactly clear how this list operates, and um, Michael Seller, credit to him, plays it really well. And actually, just the sheer number of bodies is quite hard for world leaders to get. No, he's actually got a lot of super intelligent tricks mm-hmm. here, and I think the whole list revolves around the fact that Death Sleeper turns off your ability to do stratagems. Yep. Um, so you kind of go in, you trap stuff so that it can't actually desperate desperate breakout. Uh. You go in and then turn off people's ability to use fight on death stratagems, which is what happened here against the World Eaters. Mm-hmm. So everything revolves around the combos that you create with Death Leaper's aura of you can't use stratagems on the I didn't even know that. So I would have got caught uh, up by that. <laughs> and I, I think that's like so... Can you imagine if you have three or four units tagged into an enemy unit that's wrapped and can't desperate breakout? Yes, it's very tough. And so, Especially on a yeah. tank, for example. Yeah, <laughs> For sure. So yeah, Mike, uh, well played to him for some clever list design. Yeah. He got the 12-8 there. Behind enemy lines as well, taking in that one, which is awesome mm-hmm. to see as well. And it's cool to see Turinids doing well as well. We talked about this list um, beforehand. I said um, Mike was probably the most dedicated Turinid player at the moment, um, mm-hmm. playing a faction that is arguably one of the worst ones, right? Uh, and yeah. uh, proving that maybe, you know, if you put the time and effort into it, it's still perform well. Then we had uh, Brian Seip, who had just 19 won uh, Jack Tight on Demons, uh, going for an 11-9 uh, against uh, Demons as well. So um, shout out to George Crabtree. Uh, obviously played super well. Brian Seip said he actually played it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a Kareen involved in that one. Just going to put it out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that was a, I mean, shout out to George. Uh, that's no small achievement because Brian is someone who puts people in a hurt locker 
Um, but then you played Jack as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I made a mistake here. Like, I opened this list and I forgot to scroll down. <laughs> See, this is an issue that can happen sometimes where you look at a list and you're like, okay, yeah, there's lots of Black Knights in this list. Mm. Uh, I can kill Black Knights and two Talon Masters have lots of snipers. This should be fine. Um, so he has 15 Black Knights, two Talon Masters and Samuel. Mm. And then I, if you scroll down, <laughs> he has three single land speeder tornadoes, three storm speed uh, speeder thunder strikes, mm -hmm. and two gladiator reapers. That's a lot of shots. Now, I'm a man who has removed all my D cannons from my list. <laughs> uh, that is a lot of vehicles. <laughs> um, so I, I made a bit of a misjudgment here. I put it down as a draw on my matrix uh, because I know Ravenwing's pretty good into Eldar. Um, uh, but on what happened in this is that I went first, which actually saved me mm -hmm. um, because I went first. I was able to do a little bit of ping damage. I removed that alpha strike with that pregame move. He starts on four CP in this list. Mm -hmm. um, and then he moved forward. I killed a few more things. And then on his turn two, he um, kind of put his whole army into my deployment zone. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this was bound to happen. I was There was no way I was going to be able to stop this. And uh, he just like shot loads of things in my army and um at this point i'm looking at a loss a small loss mm -hmm. i can probably kill the stuff in my deployment zone but i'm only going to have a few characters left at the end of this mm. uh, but i have two single warlocks now warlocks are known for rolling apparels <laughs> and then blowing themselves up now these two single warlocks in order to cast a super smite they need to roll an 11 and not a 12. <laughs> Both of them rolled 11 yes, let's go. for Super Spites. One got six mortal wounds and the other one got five mortal <laughs> oh wounds. God. So these two warlocks took out most of a Black Knight unit that was screening his character, wow. uh, his Talon Masters, uh, blew them up, blew the entire deployment zone up, and that allowed me to end the game with a 10-10 draw rather than a loss. Brutal. Uh, so poor Jack got the, the worst end of the dice there, and my two warlocks lived to to enjoy their victory. Yeah. Have a question. <laughs> what do you think of that Ravenwing list? Do you like it? It looks really cool, by the way. Like on the I I look the the, the Storm Speedish Thunder Strikes like seem really cool. It's it's very skewy. Mm. Um but I think it is actually very strong. Mm. It gives you a lot of options and uh, the output is quite horrendous. Mm. Um so I think overall it's a really good list. Mm. Whether or not it would do well enough in singles, I'm not sure because it's still a bit of a bit too much skew. But you will hit someone with enough anti-tank that say you have a little bit of anti-tank, say I had two D cannons, yeah, and uh those two D cannons on their own could kill one Thunderstrike. Mm. That is enough like efficient output for the list to start to fall apart really quickly. Yeah. But for me, I basically had to put a thousand pounds points in my army into one land speeder to try and kill it. Yeah. Uh, if you go against Iron Hands, yeah, and if you go against Iron Hands or maybe a Rogue oh, Dawn, they'll kill or multiple. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The Thunder Tracks so, are quite not a big, singles. They're quite a large model actually. Um, mm -hmm. But um, for 135 points, if that was a small model, that would be mm -hmm. getting a lot of play. Oh, for yeah. sure. So that ended up being a 65-35. So we actually had uh two where we had a loss there and a draw um and then a mm -hmm. very small win so um the closest round so far mm -hmm. but things are looking up uh team england has won against uh six plus plus and mm -hmm. uh it's on to the finals so this is where all of our preparation comes into play we yep. have done uh hours of preparing into these lists these scenarios mm -hmm. and we have our matrix down basically to a t uh, to the extent that we have multiple iterations saved uh, of how to, like, for, so um, Yoko and I have done pairing practice lots of times, 
and all of our um, uh, all of our results we tally the total number. So if we've got like two draws, two wins, and a loss, it's like positive one, right? And we've got all of these saved on the spreadsheet for the different iterations that we've gone through to figure out the best combinations that we've got. So that's kind of where we're at. There's a couple of themes that I think happened throughout this, uh, which came into came into play as well. One was that I would either play Necrons or Thousand Sons. And one is that uh, World Eaters was probably going to hit Gene Stealer Colt, or you were going to hit Gene Stealer Colt, Vic. Uh, and then what was another one? Um, that, uh, yeah, that our Iron Hands could go into the Necrons as well. So actually a lot of the stuff came to fruition. And I think all the pairing practice we put into this one just came through absolutely massively. Um, in fact, our matrix was extremely close to what we thought it was going to be. No, sorry. Our matrix wasn't maybe close to what we thought it was going to be. Uh, but the overall score of what we had predicted actually reflected the end score of the, um, of the total team result here. Mm-hmm. So I think Team England obviously have uh, an extremely good lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got uh, Manny Chima, uh, Matthew Robertson, uh, Josh Roberts, uh, Mike Porter, and Chris Kinnear. Uh, mm-hmm. So this team, you know, you're going to know better than Ibex, so correct me if I'm wrong uh, on some stuff. Yeah. But uh, one thing I didn't know is that Team England have never lost on home soil. Is that correct? Uh, I don't think they've ever lost a team event. Uh, any. Any team event. Any team event, which means any team game, yeah, like just at all. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, yeah, I didn't know that wild, one. So that's a wild record. Yeah, I mean, props to them, right? That is a phenomenal record. <laughs> um, so it's maybe good that <laughs> someone can finally ring them down. <laughs> um, but I'm sure they're going to come back hungrier than ever, <laughs> which is kind of scary as well. <laughs> um, so, th- what was their lineup? So, yeah, they- uh, so they had um. Uh, they had a really good lineup here. So they had Mike Porter on GSC mm-hmm. um, with a, a number of transports and 80 neophytes. Uh, oh, no, he had one transport and three of the kind of underpriced mm-hmm. uh, Goliath yeah, faithfuls. Very good. Um, they had uh, Robbo, uh, Matt Robertson on an Eldari mixed list, uh, very similar to my list, mm-hmm. uh, almost identical, just he's got D cannons and I've got night spinners. Uh, and then we've got Manny Chima on the Thousand Suns. We've got Josh Roberts on Space Wolves. Mm-hmm and Chris Kinnair on his beloved Necrons. Hmm. Yeah, so there's quite a lot of nuances in these lists. Uh, Christopher Kinnear's list is supposed to be quite good. Well, we thought uh, this list was designed to beat my list. Uh, there's a lot of um, decision points that you make in there that seem to be completely designed to beat guard. Um, then we also thought the Space Wolves were obviously uh, very good. And then uh, their Aldari uh, list was... Um, our worst uh, we had the worst mm-hmm. um pairing into that in fact you were the best one into that uh yeah. it was a well, mirror matchup obviously obviously matt robertson's a uh, very talented player <laughs> you know that's an <laughs> underestimation uh but um you did have the list advantage in that one so that was kind yeah, of our 100%. one angle there right the other angle we had was brian because brian obviously plays aldari as well and the scouring you know potentially good uh, and then we had myself as like a draw uh, into that you know mm-hmm. i play out a very tight draw range but you know in all seriousness, but with what ritual behind enemy lines, maybe it's maybe it's a slight loss, but then again, the primary from my list is very strong. So <laughs> tough to say. So what we had, so we did lots and lots of iterations of this, and what we ended up coming to is that I will be first defender. So we thought if I defend first, then they will um, definitely go with Thousand Suns and Necrons here. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, the reason why they, they in theory want to go with Thousand Suns is because 
we can pin their Thousand Sons with World Eaters and Orcs. Now, Thousand Sons against World Eaters or Orcs on the scouring is uh, not the hole that you want to be in. <laughs> World Eaters get a five up feel no pain against Mortal Wounds, and Orcs uh, have so much bodies that you, and so many good melee profiles into killing Terminators, like uh, the War Boss or Zagstruck is, like, uh, off the top of my head, great at killing um, uh, Terminators. Mega Knobs is good too. So there's a lot of high output, um, high output damage there. So that's what they wanted to avoid. And as we kind of suspected, their Necrons were going to be great into Guard. I think uh, after I played Josh Roberts at the um, Warhammer Fest, um, we had a close game, but I managed to, sh- to shut them out of the game. They were kind of reevaluating that matchup. Now the scouring is obviously different, but um, I can understand why they didn't want to go for that. And I think his list is one of their stronger lists, so they want to save that. And then the Aldari matchup, Maybe they could have put that into um, into me, but it's one of their stronger lists as well, so they want to save it for later. Mm-hmm. What they ended up doing is uh, um, presenting GSC for us to attack. In our Matrix, we had uh, Iron Hands or World Eaters. Now, I don't think GSC want to play against 15 Desolation Marines and two units of Infiltrators, especially if uh, Iron Hands maybe goes... Even if they go first or second, no prisoners is probably what you take. So you're in kind of trouble against 15, uh, 15 Desolators, I think, there. So that's not really what you want to do. So they ended up taking the World Eaters, which ended up being a 10-10 draw, which is um, mm-hmm. great for us. Fair. It was on our Matrix. Exactly. So, so that's the draw. And then uh, I ended up playing his Thousand Sons, uh, and then we ended up pushing uh, Necrons back. Now, what we end up going with next is we put Aldari down, and then they put Space Wolves. Sorry, I'm, this is from Recollection. So um, Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we put Aldari, and then they put... Um, they didn't put Space Wolves. They put, uh, I believe, Necrons and uh, Eldari. And then we mm-hmm. said, okay, we'll take the Eldari mirror. Because yeah. in all seriousness, we're chatting as a team and Yoko and I are chatting together. And we think, you know, like Vic is obviously an absolutely insane Eldari player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to play recently against uh, Liam VSL, who is in our team, who is a phenomenal Eldari player playing the mirror. Uh, and then you're a little bit ticked towards the mirror. So we had absolute yep. confidence in you going to that matchup. So... Uh, we were like, let's take that. Um, the Aldari mirror is obviously, from an outsider perspective, right, is very complex, and it's mm-hmm. very seldom you get the opportunity to practice it at a very, very high level against, um, mm-hmm. and especially in a tournament setting. So it's kind of like the first run through if you don't get that practice in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh man, this is like really good thinking, though. It's quite impressive you guys think of all this stuff on the fly. <laughs> um, and, and it removes the Aldari as well, right? So we take that. And then they attacked with, um, did they attack with Nexen? I think they might have attacked with Necrons, I want to say. No, maybe they attacked with Space Wolves. And yeah, they attacked with Space Wolves. Then we put Orcs and uh, Iron Hands. Mm, yeah, this is right. Yep, we put yep. Orcs and Iron Hands. They chose the Space Wolves versus the Orcs, which meant that the yep. Iron Hands were playing the Necrons. So, Correct, yeah. That's so it. to recap, we had, can you go through the recap really quick? Yeah, sure. Of course. So we uh, of all the pairings. Yeah, of all the pairings. Yeah. yeah, sure. So we got Boris with the World Eaters playing against Mike Porter's GSC. Uh, we've got Brian playing into Josh Roberts. Uh, Brian with the Orcs playing into Josh Roberts Space Wolves. Mm-hmm. We've got you, Dave, with your uh, Astro Militarum playing into Manny Chima's Thousand Suns. We've got me playing the Eldar Mirror against Matt Robertson, and then we've got Yoko with the Iron Hands playing into Necrons. Mm, yeah. So um, perhaps do you want to start with your game with um, with Matt Robertson? Yeah, so I think, I mean, you hit a lot of the really big points here. The Eldar Mirror is, um, 
is the one game that plays so differently from all other of your matchups mm. because um, essentially you can consider the Eldar Mirror as a game that's played on a completely open board. The amount of movement that all the units have is enough to get around angles and shoot at your units. And you don't need very much of the kind of output that you have to actually kill the other Eldar units. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what you do, it ends up being a little bit of bloodbath. And in this game, there's definitely an advantage for the player going first. Mm -hmm. So in the Matrix, we had this as a flip. And a flip means if you win the first turn roll-off, there's a big advantage to be had. And um, in this case, I put it down as favored to me because my list design is a little bit better. Having two Night Spinners, which are indirect fire weapons uh, with very good profiles into Eldar profiles, means that it, it significantly improves this matchup. But it still doesn't necessarily compensate for going second mm. most of the time. Um, but unfortunately, in this case, I did go second. But then my extra experience playing Eldar and also the fact that I just played Liam um, had kind of helped me maybe make a, some more interesting secondary choices. I went for Grind Them Down. I Ooh. went for Assassinate. Um, so Ooh. like super killing. That is spicy. Things. What? You would grind? <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, yeah, I would grind with the, with the two Night Spinners. Yeah, it, makes, uh, it really helps that one. So um, Robo ended up kind of throwing his army at me on his Alpha Strike. And another big thing I've realized is that in the Eldar Mirror, you have to be a little bit careful in your Alpha Strike because there's actually an optimal amount of units to commit because technically you could commit almost your entire army to an Alpha Strike. Mm -hmm. That's the level of speed of the army. Um, and Robo committed two units of Shroud Runners, a War Walker, um, and a unit of Striking Scorpions, mm -hmm. um, which is four units there to his Alpha Strike. He went in, got his angle, he killed one Star Weaver with the Striking Scorpions, mm. and he killed two sh uh, Shroud Runners with, the, uh, with his two units of Shroud Runners, as in two single model Shroud Runners. Right. So one wow. unit was down to one. Uh, and the thing is, between Fate Dice, a CPU reroll, and the actual averages of output from the Shroud Runners, you should probably only kill one unit of Shroud Runners with two units of your Shroud That's Runners. Which is, a, which is a big trade down mm. in this game. Um, so actually the optimal targets are try and kill the two Star Weavers mm. in this case. And if you can, try and get into the Warp Spiders as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, but Robo, you know, if you don't play this game over and over again, you just assume one of your units of Shroud Runners has enough shots to kill an enemy unit of Shroud Runners. Mm just off the top of your head, but it's not actually the so case. Ignore cover as well, right? So you're taking four Ignore ups. cover, so you're taking four up saves and, uh, you know, strength four on the sniper rifles. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's it seems like it's a good profile, <laughs> but it's actually not. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I essentially killed the units in front of me. And then, because I'd gone for assassinate, I took a few angles with my death jesters. I killed his farseer turn. Oh, you had the two uh, death jesters, right? Yeah, Ooh. had both Duchesses shot at the nice. Farseer, picked him up. Um, and then Baharoth went in, did a few wounds to Karandras, and then I picked up a few other little units with my uh, Night Spinners. Nice. Um, that level of attrition is, was too much here for Robo. Mm. Um, he hadn't fully decided at this point that he was on the path to getting tabled. Mm. I also hadn't fully decided. So our coach, uh, Chris Radford, he came over. He asked me, what's the score? After my first turn, I took me from uh, before I was on a six to eight, mm -hmm. I took myself up to a 12. Nice. Um, What's the, so then, um, let's just, uh, mm -hmm. I'll interject really quick. Uh, at mm -hmm. this point, um, it, it's basically, everyone's done their first turn and Chris mm -hmm. has gone through and what he actually has guys is physically has, he has a notepad that has zero, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, uh, 14, 16, 18, 20. 
And what he does is he holds that up to a player. And then you as the player, you simply point to one of those numbers. And that's your estimate for the game. And our team rule is that you have to point to a number. And what he does is he tallies all those numbers. And then he gives a current estimation of the score. So after turn one, I think our, our sheet said 44, 56 or something like that, right? Yeah. I so actually, so. you know, we're like, we're okay, you know, we're not look, you know, we're not winning currently, right? Um, and it's it's a really interesting psychological thing uh, I find. You know, when you get you know you when you get that piece of paper and it's like, oh, by the way, the update is we're we're down you know six points here right now, and it's like, oh, okay, you know. Um, but I think that just goes to show the strength of character from the people on our team that you know we all we all stick in it to win it, um, mm-hmm. and you know we all like it does, none of that. I personally was like I didn't see that as like oh fuck you know we're out you know we've screwed it up um i i personally didn't feel like that but um yeah yeah uh, so at this point um chris shows me the total score estimated score and i was like do i need to push and he was like yes if you can mm. um so at this point my game plan changes from passive like slow grind win uh with no risk to i need to set up for turn four like being in his deployment zone mm. with my army mm. uh so turn two and three of my approach turns um but what actually happened was on his turn two he like shot me a little bit and then i on my turn two killed almost his entire army um and then on turn three he made the decision that after counting all of the score if he lets me score grind them down for more turns then um actually my win is going to be an 18-2 here uh so instead what he did was he threw his units into me like he charged his warlock into my baharoth and stuff to try and kill him uh and he just made sure he tabled himself on turn three the the anti-grind i love it so (laughs) So he did that which means that i was just short of the 18-2 and ended up on a 17-3 so that shows his level of experience with teams play that he can analyze the score sheet at that point and realize he gains an extra point on the differential if he tables himself. That is, uh, uh, okay, that's pretty next level. <laughs> so there's that side of things that he managed to like gain an extra point like that. But also there's another side of things that there is no way their matrix or their discussions going across the line would have realized that Robert was going to lose this game 17-3 going first. Yeah. And I think th- this was one of the two kind of big swings for us mm, in, yeah. this, in this round. Yeah. So um, yeah. just as we have Chris coming around on uh, on our side of the table, Nathan Roberts is also doing it uh, for their side of the table, right? Uh, Nathan Roberts, mm-hmm. super lovely guy, the brother of Josh Roberts, um, is captain for Team England. Josh Roberts, uh, yeah. yeah, he's one of them. Um, yeah. So um, so the, you know uh, we use the pen and paper, but you know as you're playing, you can obviously kind of see what's happening, right? If you're the opponent, you know. Mm. So both teams are kind of getting the vibe at this point, right? Like we're like, oh, we're down a little bit, but then all of a sudden, like your game is going really well. And then um, we're down a bit because like, um, well, I don't know where to go at this point, but um, but there's potentially <laughs> another game that's going really well for us. <laughs> yeah, go on. Let's let's hear about your game, Dave. Come on, because we'll do the two good games first. Okay, yeah. So, um, so um, yeah, I guess is if, if people in the UK are probably probably know by this point, um, uh, I I've played against Manny Chima. I think <laughs> this actually Manny might be the person I've played against the most. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually might be the person I've played against the most out of all my things. And um, we have probably quite a quite a bit of history between the two of us. Um, I've been fortunate to be on the uh, bitter end of that as of recent. But uh, what happened is that um, Manny's playing Thousand Sons, and actually in our previous podcast, I explicitly said. That's a bit of an interesting choice, which um, is more or less code word for, I don't think this is a good pick for an army. 
uh, and that's got nothing to do with player scoring like that. Objectively, I don't think it's a good army to take. And so there's a couple of things going, well, there's two really big things going against Manny here. One is that the mission is awful for him. The scouring is so easy to get primary denialed on that uh, it's like you can get stuck in a hole really quick. Uh, on top of that, my list is not the normal guard list at all. Uh, my list is actually primary a primary denial list uh, because I've got all my vehicles. My Sentinels count as three models. My Chimeras count as five models and my Rogaldorn count as five models. Uh, and I can make things obsec. And my armies, if, is the, the best case scenario for my army is that um, you don't take Bring It Down. I use all my vehicles to sit on your objectives. I wrap you up in combat. We all have a party. You have to commit tons of skill to Dawn. And um, I beat you by, you know, you know the scores because my secondaries also score no matter if I do that or not. There's a, there's a third thing going against Manny here is that um, both, you know, Vic and I played Thousand Sons a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Thousand Sons are one of those armies that if you don't really know what's going on, um, you can be at quite a disadvantage. But mm -hmm. at the same time, if you've played a lot of Thousand Sons, you really understand the weaknesses of this army. And there are a couple of rules that uh i believe as a thousand sons player you never do that kind of happened in our game so before i spoil too much the end result is a 95 43 win for me which is a 20 0. now um the game kind of ends up i get if i get one thing lucky for me which is i go first which is huge because what i do is i stage all my army um into my ruin which which is basically my two most important things that's a chimera two chimeras one Chimera I always stage to then hit their objective next turn. And the other Chimeras, they both have 10 Guardsmen in them. So they just get on their opponent's objectives and then, you know, you don't score any primary. So my, as soon as I went first, I did two things. I made sure that my Rogal Dawn was within 12 inches to touch my opponent's Ruin and get full rerolls to hit. So that I could touch my opponent's Ruin, full rerolls to hit, uh, and then shoot whatever's on that objective. And that's like, you know, great game plan. My Rogal Dawn also has the tech, five up and vulnerable, and five up feel no pain against mortal wounds. So... It also has the tech that it has the four damage cannon. The four damage cannon is great against Terminators because they have a minus one damage strat and you still die. <laughs> so there's no cover on this objective if you're on it. So the Terminators are just on their two ups and I put them right onto the invulnerable saves. Mm -hmm. So the Rogodon's a fantastic piece. I make that happen. And then um, Manny comes out for a passive turn two. Interestingly enough, I use my Barbican key on turn one here because I just say, if I can shoot five Rubric Marines, I'll shoot five Rubric Marines because... The teleport deep strike is actually not that powerful on this map because you can hold objectives and deny the angles. So I thought, if I can see five root marines, I'll take it. Shoot the mortal wounds at them. I end up killing four, but like, hey, that's perfectly fine. That's output that mm -hmm. he doesn't have. Uh, and then what ends up happening is going into Manny's turn two, he, may, he he's at a very crucial part of the game because my I've shown more or less my entire army in the middle of the battlefield. And the middle of the battlefield is about eight inches from all his objectives. So he's deep in the tank at this point. He needs to make the crucial decision of whether or not to shoot and go for my Rogal Dawn, which is either A, just going to sit there and shoot onto his objective the entire game, or B, go for some Sentinels. Um, now, he, regardless of the decision he made, makes, he goes, he makes the, the wrong play here, which is that he shows his Terminator Brick. And the thing about Thousand Suns is, is that if you lose your Terminator Brick, or if it gets reduced to five Terminators or something, then your output sinks through the floor. Because the, the real output from that army comes from dumping two CP for um, plus one to wound, one CP for extra bolter shots, and you need to use that time and time and time again. So and that's how you can really grind your opponent down. The mortals and the psychic phase are super unreliable, 
and you like you think it's really good but you really need like the perfect phase to really destroy people with mortal wounds right mm -hmm. um i don't know if, if you if there's something here where oh, you think like, this is yeah. yeah and then the yeah. other thing i know is that terminators are terrible in combat uh they are so unreliable it's not even funny most of the time <laughs> they hit on threes and wound on threes and they only have like three attacks each so guess what uh 10 guardsmen versus three terminators oh I'll just transhuman mm -hmm. kills two <laughs> uh, yep. eight obsec models <laughs> um which is a bit of a sad state right for the <laughs> um the fact that guards can obviously transhuman as well is like you know a bit ridiculous so I just do stuff like that wrap up his terminators get him in combat um yeah so and then he shows the 10 terminators and then I've actually got my scions because he can't deep strike in my board so my 20, 20 of my scions are on the board waiting to come out and shoot whatever's out there. And that allows me to destroy a huge chunk of his terminators. Uh, and once his terminators are wounded and I've tagged his other stuff on objectives, his combat's really poor. He has to then either fall back with his psychers or he has to have perfect psychic phases uh, to go well and, and et cetera. And once, once you get in that point in Thousand Suns, they have such little tools to dig you out of a hard spot that mm -hmm. you you're just in a world of hurt after that your opponent's just going to keep chucking stuff at you my sentinels are insanely hard for him to kill because their toughness to wounds ratio is so high and thousand sons mm -hmm. really struggle with that they're great at killing like elite armies right where you got to pay a lot of points for things but 10 guardsmen yeah kind of tough or six sentinels yeah that's a pain in the ass two kd command squads yeah you got to dedicate like 600 points at least to killing those maybe right um was uh they've lost a lot of output by not having the broken flamers anymore exactly a huge amount yeah. uh and then loss of aoc was huge as well uh there's one spicy point of the game where um i actually shoot my uh i shoot my rogaldorn as Aramin to shoot on death and uh and pick it up as well oh. that was uh, that was quite big powerful uh, but it's really that's a really tough line to see when you're i've been in that situation with thousand suns a lot of times you've been the same bit where it's like mm -hmm. you're under the pressure there's so many things you need to calculate and plan for contingency for that it's super easy to miss something like a shoot on death because you're not mm -hmm. focusing on that you're focusing on like where do i need to position my models how many need to get into combat how many are in cover if he shoots back how many can i hide etc cetera, etc cetera. um mm -hmm. so that's really tough. his Ironman was also on three wounds already because he had perils and roll a double six uh and then taking three wounds at the start of the game so yes. <laughs> but, okay uh, yeah after that i just uh keep chucking stuff onto the objective and this was a big flip point in the in the team match because Nathan Roberts comes around and Manny's like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> might be like, uh, maybe I get like 18-2. And um, at this point in my head, I'm just thinking, David, just play your absolute best. There is a chance you can 20 over this, but keep just focus on only focus on your game. And then hopefully when people, you know, down the line are like, okay, Vic and David are getting big wins. We can, I can just let Chris deal with all the other four people and uh mm -hmm. and communicate that to get us to a position where we're you know we're going to win so um that was a good game it's a good it's a good uh example of if you know an army very well you can identify the weaknesses um yeah well played man. wow what uh that, that was really defining for us to get 20-0 get that pairing mm -hmm. in uh you know against a really good player and that really um that really set the scene for it because between us we had set ourselves at 37 so mm -hmm. the other three players uh you know ha so, yeah 37 yep. so the other three players need to get 14 points yep, that's correct 
yeah so, so that's uh, that, that's really um a lot more straightforward than it, we thought it was yeah. going to be uh, at that point but, but we did have a little bit of bump yeah you go for it, you go for it. <laughs> we had a little bit of a bump <laughs> because uh brian's game into into josh so this is the orcs versus uh team england space wolves um we kind of uh, thought this one was going to go a little bit better um <laughs> we had it down i think as draw in our matrix mm -hmm. uh no win for the orcs, win for orcs. In our yes. okay and uh you know, the scouring, there's a lot of engagement there. There's a short distance between the deployment zones, etc. And, um, uh, you know, Brian goes second, uh, which is, I think, not good. And then he decides on his turn two that he's going to run at Josh, do his war, go for the aggressive play, try and actually smash this game. And uh, it didn't work out. He, he actually kind of bounced on that turn. He missed a lot of his charges um, and just didn't do the output he needed to. And Josh ended up hitting him back really hard and the game spirals from there. Yeah. Um, so uh, Brian actually ended up taking the 20-0 loss here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's an awkward one because if he had gone for the passive game, mm -hmm. he would have scored about eight points. So it would have been an 8-12. Yep. But... On the matrix, he had it down as a twelve uh, as a win. So mm -hmm. it's really tough to see that, and it, because it all happens in early stages of the game, he doesn't have the information for the rest of mm -hmm. us. But at this point, as soon as that goes wrong for Brian, we now have the information that it's like it's looking really bad on Brian's table. Yep. Uh, try and kind of push and get some points here, guys, if you can. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Brian took the the, the twenty zero loss, and uh, it's now looking at we need those fourteen points mm -hmm. between two players Boris now. and Yoko. Yeah. Now it's gone from three to two, yeah. which is a bit more dicey. Yeah. So um, Boris plays Mike Porter. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, their game actually ends up clocking out on turn end of four. So both players have played their four at sixty five sixty five. So the judge is uh, Zach made the call there to score it at sixty five sixty five, which is a ten ten. The game is looking extremely drawish anyway, and without time to play round five and you know almost zero you know plays being deterministic at all um you know it's difficult to say you know it's difficult to say oh yeah it would have been a 12 8 or etc because you know there's so much interaction that needs to happen at that point as well um but that's mm -hmm. how gene sealer cult versus uh world eaters so um a nice work to boris um getting the 10 10 there I think we had that as a little bit of a loss or it's like drawish territory on the mm, on the matrix. Yeah, drawish territory. Yeah. Um, um, and then yeah. uh, we had uh, Yokel playing against Chris Kinnear. Uh, Iron Hands versus Necrons. And we had this down as, let me have a look now, as a draw as well. So very accurate predictions from us. We had a 10-10 draw there, mm -hmm. um, which ended up being, uh, so Brian got 0 20 I 20 0 uh, We had two 10-10s. And then Vic uh, beating Matt Robinson 17-3 is the difference maker between the 43 and then the 57 uh, extra points that we ended up getting there. So it was um, it was kind of, it was fantastic. I mean, it, when you look at these matchups on paper, you think uh, Yoko versus Chris, Vic VJ versus Matt Robinson, David Gale against Manny again, Brian against um, Josh Roberts, Boris against Mike Porter, like. All of these games, if it was a singles tournament, would be like, oh wow, like these two people are playing, um, which yeah, is yeah, and anything can happen, yeah, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, I was um, I was elated to uh, to win. It was um, it was the combination of like so much team practice and preparation that we'd put in beforehand. Uh, everyone on our team went to links to practice matchups that we thought were going to happen. Um, so like I played against Necrons, for example. Um, Yokel practiced as well against Necrons. 
Um, you played against um, Aldari. Um, Brian, you know, just uh, I don't think he practiced with Orcs because he played Orcs way too much. <laughs> He's played millions of Orcs games. <laughs> but, um, uh -huh. uh, and then Boris um, was practicing as well. So, you know, practice really, um, practice and preparation really pays off. And I think that um, that kind of showed um, in the end result, right? Yeah, and uh, there's something about this, like the team effort and the increased amount of preparation that you need for a team event to be successful, yeah. um, that makes this such a satisfying tournament. Mm. Like there's such a feeling of accomplishment after this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really happy that kind of the team that we set up so recently is like really flourishing and doing very well. There's really good connection between all the players in the team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, another point is that Boris actually came into this tournament as kind of like a, a half member of Ignite, <laughs> yeah. but he is, uh, is uh, if you can call it an initiation test, it's been passed <laughs> and he is now an official full member of Ignite. So he uh, is now a seventh player. Seventh player? Yeah, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. seventh player then. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we have a very, we've got a very stacked five roster of whoever we want to field, basically, uh, which mm -hmm. is also, I mean, and you know, it is worth noting that all of our players are WTC players, for example, right? So um, uh, you know, we are fielding people that compete at the international level as well. Um, so yeah, it's obviously um, you know the Team England lineup is completely star-studded as well. So it's um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a battle of the best. So it's it's nice to know that we can hang. Uh, hang with everyone and on a team level as well, right? Because, you know, if we look at um, the team tournament we played previously, we lost to Poland. The the difference in preparation that we've put in is absolutely mm -hmm. enormous. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and that is like hands down. I think everyone on the team would agree that's that's for uh, Joko Johansson. Um, he has so much experience working in teams, fives, eights, with Team Iceland, um, working with other team scrims online that he knew how to set up absolutely everything. So, um, a bit of a masterclass from uh, from Yokel. So if you want some advice, <laughs> uh, go see Yokel uh, or check him out. I'm sure he's going to be on the Enter the Matrix. He is, yeah, he's going to be on Enter the Matrix with Brian, yeah, I think. awesome. So keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's the event, guys. Uh, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. We had so many fun games. Um, we saw so many fun teams. And um, shout out to the Try Hard Wargaming, uh, who had three teams and ended up coming, I think, fifth as well. Uh, nice. Army Reactor had a very close game against um, Team England on round one. Uh, I think it was mm -hmm. like a four-point differential or something like that. Uh, yeah, super close. It was crazy close as well. Uh, and yeah, there were a lot of spicy games. Um, there was a, so much tussle between the uh, um, between teams that weren't, I think, Ignite and Team England. A lot of those mm -hmm. rounds were super, super close, which is awesome to see as well. Um, like a lot of these games are, you know, teams vying for, you know, two-point wins, one point win and stuff like that so it kind of doesn't really matter if um you win or lose but like the sheer fun of a team event where the rounds are close and all depends on one game you know and it's like um it's that's the part that i think that gets i like the most memorable parts about the uh event as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah awesome i i'm really looking forward to more team events and you know hopefully we can continue to compete i think we're in a good position for it with the kind of level of practice that we've put in. We've got all the templates in place now. We know what we, we should be doing. Um, and I think that kind of draws us to a natural conclusion for this episode, Dave. There we go. Um, I mean, I, I would love to hear people kind of dropping comments and kind of discussing this with us, especially if they've got any questions. And uh, we'll be happy to answer them in, uh, you know, YouTube comments or if you kind of hit us up on Discord. Yeah, there you go. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Oof, this might have been the longest one we've done. It's a long ah. <laughs> casual hour and a half. Uh.
it's all good <laughs> nice we had a lot to get through and uh you know guys keep an eye out for uh, more content uh it might just be a little bit slow until 10th comes out at this point yeah um so yeah you may not hear from us for a little bit unless we get a really big kind of leak or something for us to analyze and discuss for yep. you um but otherwise you know see you uh, see you guys next time at the fireside see you guys next time at the fireside episode 25 signing off thank you for listening to the 40k fireside podcast book and i hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show